Are rich people affected by the recession? You bet they are. And while the recession may not affect them in the same way as most people, it does affect their purchase of a new car. So how are luxury car dealers who sell luxury brands doing in this economic climate? Well, to find out, I've invited three luxury dealers to join me on today's show. Rob Kernick is the president of the Penske Automotive Group, which is one of the largest retailers in the world with multiple luxury brands. Chris Consiglio is the group general manager for the Idle Dom Group, also with multiple luxury brands. And Ken Mead is the CEO of Mead Lexus, which, you guessed it, handles the Lexus brand. These guys have great insights into what's motivating people to buy or not buy a luxury car right now. Like, what's the kind of styling that's pulling people into the showrooms right now? How about the technology or features? And what kind of service do you need to offer to pamper luxury customers? Get ready for some good insight into what it takes to compete in this segment and how it's evolving. Don't move from where you are. We'll be back in just a moment. From our studios in the Motor City, this is AutoLine. Here now is John McElroy. Welcome to our discussion here on the AutoLine Detroit set, all about the luxury segment, talking with three top retailers in the luxury segment. And joining us this morning are Ken Mead from the Mead Group, which handles the Lexus brand. We also have Rob Kernick from the Penske Automotive Group. They've got Mercedes-Benz, BMW, Lexus, and Audi. And Chris Consiglio from the Idle Dom Group, is that the right way to, to describe that? Which have BMW, Mini, uh, and Audi stores as well. Great to have you all here today. Uh, let's start out. What's going on in the luxury segment on, uh, from a sales standpoint as you guys see it? Rob, why don't I start with you? I mean, we saw a big collapse in, in the mass market. Has the luxury segment weathered the storm better than others? Well, I think you saw a collapse similar to what you saw in the, in the volume segment in, in 2009. And the, you're seeing a recovery, though, in 2010, similar to what you're seeing in the volume segment. But it, it varies from brand to brand, in my view. You're seeing some great success in, you know, Audi in particular on, in terms of the year-over-year comparisons, comparisons on a year-to-date basis. And maybe still success in the BMW and the Mercedes brand, but maybe to a little bit lesser extent than what you're seeing in Audi. You know, Ferrari, I think, had a little bit of a decline in 09, and you're seeing in, in, in 2010 continue to climb. But that's a remarkable change for Ferrari if you think about you had to wait years for a car just a few short years ago. So it's, you know, it, it, you're, you're clearly seeing a recovery this year versus what we saw last year. And it probably mirrors somewhat what you're seeing in the volume segment. So the decline in Ferrari is not so much in sales, it's just in the waiting time yeah, that yeah, you have yeah. to get the car? That <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, Ken, how do you see it from the Lexus side? How has it been going over the last year or so? Well, it's, it's, uh, it definitely was a slowdown, and uh, we had a little quality problem uh, with uh, Toyota, and uh, it affected our brand a little bit, but uh, it's on the rise. and. Uh, I think I think brands that had new new products introduced had a better a, a better shot at it. Uh, our 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 business uh, we have a new CT coming out in the, the late fall, early uh, spring, which will give us another boost. So you think that Lexus has been able to overcome the the, the association with Toyota and the problems earlier yeah, this year? Yes, we're just coming out of it. Cool. Chris, uh, and how do you guys see it? And in fact, let me ask you this. I, I had heard that last year when the economy really tanked, 
people who had the means to go out and buy a new luxury car did not do so simply because it wasn't seemly. But once the Cash for Clunkers program got started and people were coming into the market, that there was almost a signal to people who were well off enough to buy luxury cars to say, let's get back into the market. Did, did you see any of that? Well, with the two brands we carry, I think it was <clears throat> uh, Cash for Clunkers did not have a major effect. It, uh, we also have Minion and helped out at, at that end. But for Audi, as Ken said, we had a lot of new product last year and more this year. Uh, Audi was only down 5% in 2009. They're up 25% this year. Uh, we're the only exclusive deal in the state. We're having a great year. Um, our problem is more a shortage of, of inventory. Um, you know, well, That's a great problem. That is a great <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, there was maybe Audi was maybe a little bit understated, and maybe that's what helped. So it wasn't the flashy car. It wasn't the car that people wanted to come in and show off. It was, uh, you know, a technological car, a new car, the, the, the new uh, brand in the luxury segment. And uh, so I, I don't think image was as big as a factor in affecting the Audi sales. Rob, you guys carry the, the Audi brand as well. Do you see the same sort of thing happening? Yeah, I, 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 clearly we do in Audi. And I, I, the numbers are exactly right in terms of the improvements are. I think. Um, it, it is, in this business, it's all about product, and I think Audi has it, both in terms of maybe exterior styling, but clearly in their engineering on the interior basis is just really terrific. And the interesting thing about Audi is um, the demographic is, is very interesting. I mean, you're seeing a really young crowd who's attracted to the Audi brand, and I think that that is a really good sign for that brand in the long run. Maybe what you saw in Cadillac, you know, 30 years ago or so in terms of what the age of the customer might have been. What is it about Audi? I mean, they've been around forever. We in the media had been saying for decades, literally decades, my gosh, they have the best interior design in the business. Mm -hmm. uh, they've had great exterior styling. To your point, they've had great technology. They've got the heritage. But what happened? Why is it sort of clicked and why is it working now? I think a few reasons. Uh, five to eight years ago, Audi was a company that was uh, heavily dependent on leasing, severe lease payments to get the customers in the car. The, Senior management made a conscious decision. We're going to get away from that. We're going to sell the product. The quality has just improved immensely. Uh, Germany has really put a focus on the quality, and uh, the uh, surveys are showing that. So the brand is exciting, and it's got the features, the quality, um, the different models. We're in segments that we haven't been in before. The Q5, which is a small SUV we've never been in before. The RX pretty much owned that segment. So Audi got into that, and it's, it's really taken off this year. From a retail standpoint, has, have things changed in the company that make it easier for you all to sell their vehicles? Well, in terms of relationship from a dealer perspective, they, they're terrific to work with. And, and they're, they have very strict um, facility requirements, which I think the brand deserves, quite frankly. And, uh, but they've been, they've been accommodating and easy to work with res with respect to it. So, uh, you know, and they make, you know, the biggest issue really is, like you said, is getting product and inventory right now. It's very, very difficult and naughty. But, you know, kind of back to the product, it's what they've had for the last year or so. But if you look at their pipeline, I think that they have 11 new, either new or redesigned products over the course of the next three years. I mean, that, that's really moving, you know, moving the design. It's really keeping people interested and keeping that age group and demographic interested. Ken, what's driving people in uh, the luxury segment right now? What really turns on buyers from your vantage point? I, I think the need for uh, the lower end of the luxury market is really driving it. The RX vehicle in our line is 50% of our sales. It's family vehicle. 
Um, it's easy to, it's affordable. We've got great leases on, on that product. And uh, I, I think IS is another example in our line of, of uh, trying to get a younger demographic in. And CT, when it comes out uh, this fall, um, is another avenue, like Audi has done, to get a, our average age down from 55 to maybe 50. Mm-hmm. Chris, what's driving it as you see it? Well, not only is it the new models, but the, the equipment that goes in the car, the technology, whether it's the navigation, the Bluetooth, the, uh, uh, the 3G nav, the, uh, all the, uh, the syncing up with your smartphone. Um, the customers come in, first of all, they go online, they check out the car, they look at the available options. They're educated. They come in and they say, well, I want this, I want this, I want this. I mean, but is that true? I mean, just what Ken was saying, you know, you've got an older buyer coming into the luxury segment. I would almost think that they would be the the least receptive to all this new technology coming into cars. Uh, maybe so, more, more so in the D segment, the top of the line segment, the 7 Series, the S-Class, the A8. Um, but the cars that uh, are attracting the people in the, that are 35 to 45, maybe 50, I mean, they're in tune with the technology. They, they use it every day. They use it at work. They use it at home and they want to use it in their car. Do you see the same thing? I mean, I'll, again, a lot of us in the media have complained about how difficult, you know, BMW was uh, heavily criticized for the first generation mm-hmm. of iDrive in their cars. Right. It's gotten better. Mm-hmm. They've, they've sort of dumbed it down, I guess, is what made it better. But do you get backlash from people saying this is just way too complicated? No, no not really. I mean, I wonder if they dumbed it down or if we all got smarter, too, because, mm-hmm. you know, that type we of got tech- used to it. Right. That technology is more acceptable. It's not, you know, it's not just BMW now that has the iDrive. You get into an S-Class Mercedes and it's the it fu- it functionally equivalent to an iDrive in terms of how you use it. And at first it might be awkward, but you certainly love it. You don't have to feel around your dashboard once you get used to it. So, you know, the luxury segment is um, it, it's, a, it's a different segment than it was 10 years ago. I mean, it used to be that it, it, is, it is an aspirational brand, and it's always been, continues to be. Um, but now, you know, the, the, the array of p- products that they have are just so much more vast. So you have a 1 Series and a 3 Series, whereas before you had the 7 Series and the 5 Series, and those are entry-level buyers. And so a lot of what drives the luxury segment is, is that you, you can start in the brand, and you can start at a price point that you're comfortable with at a young age, and then you can just move them up the brand. And I think that has helped sustain or drive much of what's happening in the luxury segment today. Are the luxury automakers getting into too many models? Or as retailers, do you guys just love to have any kind of flavor to sell to the customer? Well, we're going, you know, we're, we're, we're heavy in hybrids. And uh, the rumors are out that we're going to have a hydrogen car in five years. So I, I, I kind of like that. I like, I like how the brand is uh, evolving. Um, and I think the lower end of this product will, will be hybrids and the higher end of the product will be hydrogen cars as the world rolls out here. And I, it's exciting times. And uh, so you're going to be set up to be able to refuel these hydrogen cars when they come out? We uh, will probably be asked to be hydrogen stations. Mm-hmm. Uh, Styling-wise, what's driving people these days? Do they like soft? Do they like hard-edged? Do they like what? What do you see? We don't have any uh, hard-edged styling yet. (laughs) (laughs) Not at Lexus, that's right. (laughs) So we've been more conservative in our styling, and that is changing. Our new GS product that's coming out in a year, it's, uh, it's very, very stylish, kind of like Audi and BMW, and uh, that whole, that whole, 
stodginess is going to leave our brand and, and we're going to have our, it won't be quite like BMW and, and Mercedes or uh, Audi, but it's going to be different. But what you're saying essentially is luxury car buyers do want more expressive styling. Even the ones that are over 60. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I would totally agree. The With the Audi brand, uh, we've We've expanded our lineup to have a two-door coupe, the A5, which has its great lines. Um, next year, we're going to be introducing the A7, which is a four-door coupe, a segment that we haven't been in. I think it's probably the, it's going to be the sexiest car out there. Um, we've got people coming in now, even though the car is just starting production, um, that they want to take delivery in next spring, uh, already getting inquiries on it. Uh, you know, BMW has always had more edges than Audi. It's more aggressive. Audi was a little bit more conservative. So I, I think they're, they're stepping it up to be a little more, a little more aggressive. Just not, not too bad, not too risque, but, but a little more progressive. Rob, what do you think, style-wise? Yeah. What's driving them? What, what, what will really make somebody turn their head and say, I came in to buy that, but here's the one I really like the looks yeah. of? Well, you know, I mean, to the extent, and I don't know how you describe it, but it's certainly expressive, is the 5 Series BMW is a very, very popular car right now. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you have a shortage of it like every other BMW deal around the country. And, and that, that's pulling people in. The GLK, which is almost the opposite of that, is, is pull, pulling people in. We can't get enough of them. So, it, it, you know, it is, um, it's, it's that, it is very expressive styling. I agree with that. And that's what seems to be bringing people into the, into the stores. How about service? What's the kind of service that is maybe new, unusual, that people say, this is fantastic, this is the brand I want to buy from, or the retailer I want to buy from. Yeah, yeah. well, I, I, think the, I think that if you want to be a luxury dealer, that you have to be willing and able to provide the kind of service that, the ex that they expect. The expectation of service of the luxury buyer is remarkably different, not only in terms of the way the salespeople interface or everybody in the dealership interfaces with the customer, but in terms of the way you present the car and the kind of the, the, what the facility looks like. You know, we've in the last 10 years spent almost $2 billion in investments in our facilities. And that That's is a lot that of is, money. That is a lot of money. It's a lot of dealerships. But the expectation of that customer is fairly demanding. The expectation of the manufacturer so you can get the product is fairly demanding. And then you have to grow your service business, your back end, so that, uh, you know, there's many more units in operation. You have to be able to accommodate that. Yeah. You know, I work for Idle Dom, who is a German uh, mechanic by trade, and he built his business on service. We have this slogan, service is our priority, not a necessity. So from, from the time that the customer comes into the showroom, we take them back, we show them the service department, we, we, they get the feeling for how important service is to us, whether it's loaners or pickup and delivery. Uh, we go out of our way to make sure the customer feels like he's special. And you have to. It's a very competitive market. We have, there's, you know, good cars out there, and you've got to be able to separate your store from another store. And, and that builds brand loyalty. It builds store loyalty, too. Lexus has always been at the top of the heap when it comes to sales or, or uh, customer satisfaction. Uh, I'd like to say that we started it <laughs> uh, at, at our stores, and that's, a, that's the only thing I can relate to is, is 100 service loaners always available. Um, we, we do iPads for our, uh, our, our customers while they're waiting. They, they can Let's check use one. them. They can, they can check it out and, and uh, use it and, and, and bring it back after the, their car's ready. So we, 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 we spend a lot of time just making sure the customer experience in our stores is, is a great one. And uh, that's been our success. 
Rob, you've probably got the, the greatest variety of different brands here. Uh, do you train your people differently for the different brands, or is it pretty much going to be the same kind of service no matter what store a customer goes to? Well, I'd like to tell you that we treat our customers equally across brands and across, uh, across all of our dealerships. Um, you know, we don't have centralized training with respect to it. Most of our training, our sales training, and our interface is done on a local or on a dealer level. So it, it, it probably varies, uh, and the expectation is different. The one thing we do do, and it's not just in a luxury segment, just our mantra is customer service. I mean, that's the way we've built the business, and that's what Roger's done for the last 35 years. And so it's, it's in the very grain of our business, and it runs through every single pay plan throughout the company in terms of what the expectations of customer service are. So it's not just a luxury segment item for us. I think it's across brands for us. Do the different brands, though, have different requirements, Chris? Do, do you, yeah. Does the factory require different things? Yeah, each manufacturer has certification requirements for your customer contact people as well as your technicians, uh, certain courses that they have to take, uh, instructor-led courses, web-based courses. Um, right now we're going out with extensive training on the new A8, our flagship car that's uh, coming out this fall. Um, I've sent people to, to Europe for training, to Atlanta for training, to Chicago for training. Then Audi came to the dealership and held in-dealership training, mainly on the customer experience. We had every employee in the store from the receptionist to the car washer to a bookkeeper to the sales manager all participating in this customer experience training. You sent them to Europe. Yep. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Did you know that you were getting into that kind of investment when you agreed to take on the brand? Um, well, um, you know, you, I think actually it's a good thing. I mean, uh, when Audi introduces new models, they do an international uh, dealer meeting, and they'll go out in waves, and uh, they'll, they'll have, I remember this time we was in Barcelona, and we were pulling in, and Australia was pulling out. So uh, it's important for the, the employees to, to see the, the cars, where they're built, and see the quality that goes into the cars, and, um, you know, really what what the brand is all about, to, to experience uh, what goes behind the cars and the, the pride that's put into the cars. Are they just catching up to Lexus, Ken? Well, Have you guys been doing that same sort of thing from the beginning? I was sent to Japan so, <laughs> 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 to learn, uh, uh, learn the manufacturing end of it. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that everybody has to do this uh, to go after this market. The market's growing. It's not shrinking. There are going to be more affluent people. Uh, generation Y, and, and every, we're all trying to get the piece of this pie, and uh, styling is is, par, is part of that, but also taking care of this customer is the most important part, because you only have one shot at a, at a customer, and if you mess that up, then they're going to go shop other brands. So we, we, we spend an awful lot of time in training all our people all the time. What do you make of uh, Hyundai coming in with this Aquis? And to your point, you said you had 100 loaners, you've got iPads for your customers to play right. around with. The iPad comes standard in the glove box of the Equus. They say that you as an owner or as a customer will never have to step foot in the dealership. They'll send somebody out to your house, a salesperson, so you can buy it through them. Although I guess in some states it's not legal to purchase a car except in a dealership. And then they say you'll never have to bring in the car for service. Uh, we'll drive the loaner to you. We've, d we've done that for years. We've driven the loaner to them. We've gone to the office to, to consummate a deal. We've, we've done all of that. It, it, I, th you know, I wish them well, 
But, if but not that well. <laughs> you know, if they have a dedicated service lane and they have a, you have a, a $70,000 car and an $18,000 car next to it and the waiting room's crowded, the people who buy $70,000 cars don't want to wait for that kind, in that kind of experience. So I uh, wish them well, but I don't think it's going to work. Hmm. Do you think it's going to work, Rob? Well, it, it, it's exactly right. But, you know, the luxury segment has been doing that for, for quite some time. So they probably Same sort of thing, going same, out to people's uh, homes yeah, so they can yeah, purchase a car. Yeah, that's right. I mean, maybe not purchasing the car, more on the service side. It's mm -hmm. clearly been out there, but um, a little less on the purchase side. And uh, that, is, that is generally what the expectation is, I think, for the most part. Uh, Hyundai is, is very, very interesting. I mean, you, I don't think you can ignore what they have been able to accomplish so far. I mean, you look at the retail sales this year versus last year, and it's terrific and tremendous and their decrease of their fleet and and their focus on that upper segment so I'll, I don't I don't count them out as a matter of fact you know I like them I, I would I, I kind of go with them I think they are going to be successful um, let's talk about green cars does the luxury segment really care about green Chris I mean uh, the Japanese of course have made a big run with uh, hybrids or it certainly Lexus has mm. uh, Infinity's not quite there yet and the Germans are coming in in diesel does that really matter to the luxury customer you know, I, I think it does, but I think the, the customer in the U.S. isn't fully aware, especially of diesel. Um, I'll give you an example. We had a customer in just yesterday who, who ordered a Q7. Uh, we couldn't get the car that he had, that he wanted. Uh, we were waiting and waiting, and then we had a diesel. And we said, why don't you come in and drive the diesel? No, I don't want to drive the diesel. I'm not interested. Well, the salesman got him in. He says, let's just go for a ride. I won't say anything. And uh, so they went for a ride, and 10 minutes later, the salesman says, well, what do you think? This car's fantastic. And he bought the diesel. So I think a lot Just of... Just don't tell them it's yeah, a diesel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, with the clean diesel and the, um, the performance of the engines now, um, you know, they're quieter, um, good performance, 30% better fuel economy. Uh, it's a good uh, uh, vehicle to purchase, and it, economically it makes sense, and you help the environment. And, and of course, Lexus dominates hybrids in the, the luxury segment. They so we, we've, we've had them for a long time and uh, are continuing to, to spread the, uh, the, the hybrids through the brand. And uh, again, we'll go back to hybrids. It's still a small niche of people coming in and say, I've got to have a hybrid. Correct. But as, ga as gas creeps up to four bucks, then, then, then the gloves come off and. They're going to, everybody will embrace a different way. Even well-off people in the luxury segment. Correct. Hmm, very interesting. And Rob, how do you see it? Uh, yeah, I, do people really care about green in that segment? I, I, I do. I mean, I think, I think the answer is, is yes. I mean, again, Lexus and Toyota have captured the hybrid market, and it hasn't seemed to catch on with the others much. It'll be interesting. You see Porsche, actually, in terms of their hybrid introductions over the course of the next few years, I think will be interesting to see. See how they go. I agree completely that diesel is the alternative. I, I, I'm so frustrated that you know our energy policy just doesn't address the simplicity of diesel and the, it's, how easy or accessible the technology is for the U.S. market, and the you know the improvement that we could do from our dependence on foreign oil if we could have a um, a energy policy that was designed to attract a vehicle that was more fuel efficient. You know, electric is still a long way away in terms of 80 mile range isn't going to get anybody in the market with respect to their primary car. And our experience with hybrid is outside, really, of Prius and, and Lexus to some extent, that, that nobody believes that they need to spend that much money for that little fuel savings. Now, again, gas is up to $4 a share. A, a gallon will be a whole different 
might be a whole different story. But you know, our, we have 40% of our revenue in the UK and all we sell our diesels in the luxury segment. And everybody cares about the environment there. Right, because in Europe, of course, there's tax policies and exactly. whatnot that make it a whole lot more advantageous e to buy a diesel. Exactly, that's exactly right. We're getting down to the very end here, but one area I wanted to touch on was certified pre-owned cars. How's that going for you? I love it. It's a franchise within a franchise. We sell one-to-one, -one, one, one new vehicle to one pre-owned certified car. And uh, it is, it is a, a wonderful thing for people just getting started in the brand. And uh, the warranties are fine. Uh, we, we do a great inspection of the cars. And uh, it's, it's, with the product that we have, the engineering ability, that car can go another 150,000, 200,000 miles. It's a, it's a good, good deal. And I'm just going to have to get nods, yes or no, yes. with you guys because we're down to the end. Yeah, but you love CPO it. as well. Yeah, right? Absolutely, yeah. Real good. Well, Major portion of our business. Good to hear. Well, great. Thanks so much for coming in, you guys. This has been very interesting. Welcome. I mean, we could have gone on for a whole lot longer, but I'll be back in a moment with some closing thoughts. Automakers are very interested in the luxury segment, as we briefly talked about. Hyundai is making a serious run with its new sedan called the Equus. Ford is talking about taking Lincoln far more upscale. The Chinese bought Volvo. The Indians bought Jaguar. This segment is going to get far more crowded than it is already. And yet, with the growth of developing markets, the BRIC countries, the luxury segment is going to grow far bigger than it is today. But who's going to surge ahead and who's going to languish by the curbside? But that brings us to the end of today's show. For all of us here at Autoline Detroit, thanks for watching. We'll see you here next week.